Welcome back, everybody, to a brand new episode of Three Way Miss. We've got a really fun episode for you. We're going to visit with Austin Smotherman, newly minted PGA Tour professional. Austin's going to talk to us about what life was like on the Corn Ferry Tour, going to school down at SMU, and his really close personal relationship with uh, Bryson DeChambeau, which is really fun. Um, before we get to the episode, we did want to let everybody know that we had some audio issues with Austin that we sort of had to fight through for the first quarter of the interview or so, but we do get everything squared away. You'll hear some choppy audio, but it does get squared away about halfway through the interview or so, and, and everything works out in the end. So we did want to let you know that. Um, stick with it. It's a really fun visit. Austin gives us some great insight on a lot of different topics. So enjoy, um, and thanks for listening. There we go. Now it is. <laughs> well, welcome back, everybody, to a brand new episode of Three Way Miss. Um, last time we met, we talked about how we were going to put together some content with some really fun guests. And Scotty, I'm going to throw it to you and let you introduce somebody that I think we're going to have a, a really good time with today. So I was trying to think of uh, the best way to introduce Austin. And, and I think probably the best way is to, to tell everyone how I met him, which was, you know, I've been so fortunate with my business. You know, you, you start a business, you can only hope that the darn thing works, let alone thinking about all the really cool things that come. And, and in the golf world, um, I've gotten some unbelievable opportunities. And one of them is getting invited to this event called the TaylorMade uh, Pebble Beach Invitational. It used to be Callaway a long time ago, but now it's a TaylorMade Pebble Beach Invitational, which is, which I'm sure our guests will tell you, it's just an incredible week, um, you know, on every level, people, golf courses, food, drink, it's just a really cool week. But anyway, two years ago, I was lucky enough to, uh, to play in it. And I was paired in the first round with Austin Smotherman. And so I didn't really know Austin, but after 18 holes, and then we were lucky enough to maybe have a, a pint or two when they, uh, when they uh -uh. closed, closed uh -uh. down the, the pub for just the tailor-made guests. And we sat there, had a couple IPAs. And from that point forward, I've been a huge fan of Austin Smotherman. And so with that in mind, on behalf of the three-way miss guys, uh, welcome PGA Tour player, Austin Smotherman. Hey, thanks for having me, Scott, and uh, the whole crew. I'm looking forward to, you know, just talking a little golf, so. Yeah. How did that sound, by the way? PGA Tour player, Austin Smotherman. I, I still get asked if it's kind of sunk in yet, you know, having that attached to uh, to the name and now, you know, being announced on the first tee at PGA Tour events versus, you know, past tours I've been on. But it sounds pretty good. I, I don't, I don't <laughs> want to, I don't, I don't mind being, being uh, mentioned with that prior, so. So uh, just to, uh, because we can do this, are you, is it just me who's got audio issues with him or? Do we all? Is yeah, it's, it's, it's crackly. Shit. I don't know why, but anyway. Um, so there's a bunch of stuff I want to touch on, um, you know, back to your, whether it's your, you know, your junior golf days in California or heading to uh, to play for the Mustangs. Uh, no, no, the Pony. Mustangs, you call them the Ponies. The Mustangs, both. Either both. Yeah. Right. SMU. And then, and then you got on tour the hard way through Latin America and Corn Ferry, but but since I met you two years ago, I've been following you and it's hard not to start with the last, I'll say three, four or five months, which was, man, you were living on the bubble on the corn ferry for a long time. And you were inside the number, then you're outside the number. And it seems like you're just living on there. In fact, when I saw you in Maine, I think you were 25. Um, anyway, 
talk about that that sort of the last couple of months and uh, what a what a road that that was to to get to where you ultimately wanted to go. Yeah, absolutely. Um, hope you guys can hear me okay. Yeah, a little better, better or no? Yep. Yes, okay. Better. Way better. Yep. All right. Um, yeah, absolutely. These last four months or so, I have been a whirlwind of a little bit of everything. You mentioned the, you know, being the bubble boy, which was kind of a weird title to have at events. You know, everybody calling you the bu bubble boy. I'm like, am I, am I not a grown adult? Like, can I be the bubble man? Um, but yeah, Seinfeld other, episode. either way, I mean, you know what, I, I, I knew I had to kind of take some time and sit with, you know, having that again, be kind of the focal point, you know, everybody's talking about where we're at. Some guys, you know, kind of want to go out there, be able to play, as if, you know, you, you play and you don't worry about what's happening on the backside of it, but let alone everybody's telling me, oh, you're, you're 10 points behind or you're five points in or who knows what. Yeah, but you so really just, need that all the time. Yeah, exactly. But you know what? I, I wanted to embrace that kind of pressure. Yeah. Mostly because that's only going to build and be even greater once we're playing on the PGA Tour, which was not a matter of kind of if, you know, more of more of when and kind of that self-belief of, you know, that that's that's where we'll be someday. And we've achieved that. But now I know that the kind of the, the stepping stones have just begun and, you know, there's going to be a lot of new learning curves as well for over these next so, however many years. So, so, so I'm sure you've played in a lot of great rounds of golf. And again, I've been more focused on the last couple of years and even more so um, the last tournament, if I'm not mistaken, you can go through the details. It was almost like it, you just sort of needed to make the cut, maybe top 40 or something like that. But it was like, you just needed to make the cut, which is, you know, like you just need the two putt. Who wants that? Right. I mean, you'd love it, but it's like, right. So anyway, if I'm not mistaken, you were even one or two over after the first round and here you are you now just need to make the cut and you didn't have a good first round, but I got to think that second round might've been one of the best rounds of your life. Um, with, without a doubt, looking back at it, you know, that's probably a catalyst not even 18 holes. I mean, 13 holes. I was still one over par through the first few on, on that second round. And I uh, went eight under my final 13 holes with, uh, with an up and down from like 70 yards after driving it into the trees on, uh, on my 18th hole, the ninth hole, I had to <laughs> had to pitch out sideways. Here I am like, yeah, I mean, eight under and like, yeah, I went out there and hit it to four feet and finished the round off and, you know, set up that Sunday cruising 76. So <laughs> you earned it. You earned it. You absolutely you earned it. It's nice to cruise to a 76. And I saw a pretty cool video of the celebration afterward and your wife was there and it looked like you had some buddies. Were those high school or college buddies or what was going on there? So those were uh three other players, my brother-in-law and then uh a buddy of ours from our home course here in Dallas that flew up there to watch two of us earn our card myself and uh Brandon Wu. Um, Stanford alum who I've been playing golf with at my home club for about two years now so they uh, they doused me in some Coors Light um, I don't know how the uh, distributor That's you know right. if you're I saw it. it's all that's good, okay man. or not but it hurt a little bit it hurt no, no, no. it's beer everyone's winning here <laughs> but that, that's why they're dumping it on me because nobody else really wants to drink it so. <laughs> good comeback <laughs> solid, um, solid play although I yeah, that green shirt. Well, I was in that shirt for probably another four hours that evening before, you know, <laughs> take it off. I mean, did not want to be nearby. So. I loved your wife's take on it because it was the standard, uh, what our wives would have done as well. When she gave me the hug, she's like, that's sweat. <laughs> so, 
<laughs> yeah, he, like, he just climbed the mountain, but I don't, I don't want to. I don't want a beer hug right now, right? <laughs> no, no. I remember I walked, yeah, just off 18th Street, going through our little, you know, player walkway, and uh, grandstands are there looking at some people, and then I had beer in my eyes. I mean, I'm like <laughs> can't see, and I had my my ball I just tapped out with, and I gave it to this this little boy right there, and I mean, it was like the coolest moment. You could tell his dad had his camera. I mean, turned on for who knows how long, waiting for this moment. I was like. So there's, you know, my, my ball from Omaha is, you know, with a six-year-old boy right now and who knows what he's doing with it, but kind of I, cool th- moment, I so. thought that was pretty incredible. And I was wondering to myself, cause that's, that's in the video and it's an awesome emotional moment. I was wondering, is that, I was like, was that a second ball he just gave that kid? I didn't know if you wanted to hold on to that, that, that the initial one you finished with. So. No, I know. I mean, it's, it's, it's one of the coolest things we get to have. I mean, walking out of rounds or just being out there and being the focal point. I mean, you know, kids are watching us and be able to have some sort of influence on them has always been a super cool deal. Cause I know growing up in my hometown didn't have a whole lot of professionals or had even really been to a lot of professional events, let alone college events, or even knew what college golf was yet. You know, now here we are kind of able to flip the script a little bit. So, so did, did you have some time to, you know, did it sink in? Did you think about all the times you probably said to yourself, I don't know if I can do this. And all the times you said to yourself, I absolutely know I can do this. And, you know, to think back through kind of almost a lifetime of shots to realize, you know, that the great par save here, that time I really grind, grinded out around there. I mean, when did it all sort of sink in? Was it, was it that evening when you got time to relax? Was it kind of the next day, the next week, or were you more focused on, you know what, I'm here now and, and I have things I want to accomplish now that I've made it to, to this level. Yeah, no, I mean, the culmination of, of all the shots that, you know, boil down to, you know, this next one you're about to hit on this journey. I mean, I know everybody here and probably everybody listening have played more than one round of golf. And it's like, you don't just hit X number of shots on a, on a day. I mean, everything kind of just lives with you and it, and it grows. I mean, everybody can remember their best shot or, you know, every hole in one who knows whatever. And uh, to go through that kind of final round, and have a lot of kind of awkward shots that almost you could say were first timers, like just with the nerves and the pressure and everything on the line that, you know, it felt like a brand new kind of just kind of breaking out of my shell kind of thing. Like, I don't know, it was just, it was something different. I mean, yeah, a lot of emotion attached to it and yeah, it was pretty cool. So I mean, did I you know, did you know you had made it by the way? Cause it almost like, like you weren't quite sure. I really wasn't just because the, the tournament wasn't over. I knew there was guys behind me and I just didn't know how everything could shake out with still having golf to be played. It'd be like, you know, finishing with a three shot lead or something with groups behind you. I mean, you probably are going to win, but how can you really celebrate the same way without, you know, everything being finalized. And so that's how I was like, but then I got dumped beer and I kind of forgot about it. So they, they all, they all, they all, they all always they wins. Well, and they, and they had done the research. They had been talking to everybody. And so once right. I knew that, and they were doing that. It was it was a locked up. So yeah. the walk to the scoring tent was definitely a little bit easier. So cool. you talk about um, you talked about kind of when you were growing up and 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 how you were growing up and and all the emotions that kind of went along the whole way. So outside Sacramento, you obviously grew up in kind of the. I, I love this. It was not the country club lifestyle. It was very much kind of the, the public 36 hole golf complex, you know, walk oh, us yeah. through that, you know, that, that Hagen Oaks golf complex. Cause that seemed like a pretty dynamic place outside Sacramento. Yeah, it definitely is. I mean, growing up doing all my uh, junior lessons, um, 
just meeting people playing as much golf as I could with my dad. That was where he was playing at the time when I was kind of growing up. And uh, yeah, the public golf scene, I mean, you get to play and meet a bunch of people that, you know, you just are rolling around, but uh, yeah, Hagen Oaks means they got an arcade side, which is kind of an easier junior course bar, bar like 30, bar 35 on the front, bar 36 on the back, but um, either way, the, uh, uh, the other side, the McKenzie side is actually a Alistair McKenzie design that is, uh, usually holds the state fair championship, a couple other bigger junior events that I was fortunate to win later on in my career. But, um, yeah, they embrace junior golf and, you know, everybody out there is kind of just letting us kind of just do our thing. So it's been, it was a great spot to, jo- it's, to grow it's, up. It's awesome. Golf, yeah. yeah. It seemed like you were winning titles or, or you know, club uh, Hagen Oaks title started about six years old. So it got six you on years the old. And yeah, once you turn 12, start playing the 18 hole side and yeah, you're good to go. So yeah, you obviously have a, a really successful junior career, really successful amateur career, you know, talk us through kind of the, the decision to end up at SMU, what the college recruitment process was like, um, you know, what, what, what ultimately made SMU such a good fit for you. And, um, you know, talk about, I guess, a a little bit of the experience of what it's like being recruited as, as a division one golfer. Yeah. Um, I mean, it kind of just comes down to what events you're able to play in. So, I mean, I was fortunate to qualify for three U S junior amateurs, which was kind of the way I was able to kind of get onto the national scene of, of being recruited by a college coach or um, having that opportunity out of kind of my small town. We didn't have a lot of other college golfers. So we're going to have to, yeah, I, uh, it's your cracking again. You're breaking up. You have to start that again. All of a sudden it started fading again. I'm not sure why. DK, do something funny for the listeners. <laughs> this is called, I'm going to edit this. And we're going to be good. <laughs> hey, by the way, I- I've never shot a casual 76 in my life. <laughs> Have you shot a 76? <laughs> you know, that was such an easy follow-up. Hey, low-hanging fruit. You know. <laughs> All right. Are we any, we any go, better? Yep. There it is. Yep, yep, much better. All right. For some reason, my left one was dead. and My right oh. one was not. So I was like trying to... Got it. All good. We'll, yeah. we'll, we'll edit that out. All good. So SMU D1. Yeah. So, so U.S. juniors playing in those yeah. kind of events really get you on the map as a junior golfer, obviously. It, it was. And uh, yeah, my first U.S. junior, I mean, a brief story about it. I mean, I had not really known what this whole college, you know, recruiting thing could be, be like. And my first U.S. junior, I get paired with and stroke play with Jordan Spieth. <laughs> who at the time is the number one ranked junior in the country with every single college coach known to man following him, even though they already know he's going to Texas. <laughs> and so that led to my mom um, having an opportunity to walk with his parents and get to meet a lot of these coaches as well, kind of in an informal way that, you know, they're going to kind of be listening to whatever George Smith's parents are telling them anyways. And here they are walking with my mom. So she got the benefit of that. Um, Jordan would go on to win that U.S. junior. So it was, it was pretty cool kind of seeing that start of his career back then and what he's done. But, um, so my mom learned about the recruiting process and we ended up, uh, visiting SMU about two and a half years later and, uh, kind of right after Bryson DeChambeau had committed and, uh, we were buddies and 
our parents had kind of talked about maybe going to school together and both from Northern California have kind of a friendly face in big old Dallas, Texas, which for him and I was a little bit out of the, out of the blue, but um, <laughs> nonetheless, we ended up, ended up playing college golf together. So. And you guys had some junior battles on the course as well, right? You and Bryson. Oh yeah. Um, definitely that, that event that I mentioned, I mean, we were paired together in uh, the Cal state junior am, uh, he had just committed the week before. So coaches were out there watching him play and, you know, we get paired together. And again, it's kind of like these weird kind of fate things have fallen into place. You mentioned, you know, like just the way scores had fall or, you know, the me getting paired with Jordan Spieth in that moment there, kind of having the college coaches, you know, be able to watch me a little bit more followed by, you know, I get paired with Bryson the week after he's committed. So we end up playing that whole tournament and I end up winning, um, beating him by one shot final round to, uh, to take the championship. And, uh, ultimately probably kind of lock up my chance to go to SMU. So that's awesome. Yeah. I mean, Dallas is, is a long way, right? Dallas is a long way from a, not, not, as, not as far as that Northeast up there. <laughs> You're the, it's breaking up again. I don't know. I don't know if it's like, you, you know, it starts strong and then it fades, but yeah, I don't know if it's a microphone issue or an internet issue or what it's, it just, it's like, it's a bad cell connection, Austin. All right. I don't know. It's a shame T case never does that. Well, it's just, <laughs> I was going to tell him sometimes actually when you take the video off, I actually can help the audio. Yeah, we can try that. You can do it too. I know. You like that? You're on fire tonight. He is on fire. Thank hey, you. How's the, uh, how's the NHGA dinners going well? So yeah, we'll fire back here. <laughs> well, you got a canteen below the video? Maybe. You know what? It's, it's NHIA week. I got to wait until the end of this week. I got to make it oh, through this God. weekend. Audio is it back? There it sounds is. a lot there better. Yeah, a ton better. Yeah, I don't know why I should have just gone with these. I yeah. saw you guys with your fancy ones, so <laughs> yeah, real fancy. Yeah, five dollar <laughs> Amazon headphones. So we can we, we certainly got to touch on Bryson, but but more than just the Bryson thing, you know, you end up at SMU and you know, Bryson's front page news. I, I gotta tell yeah. you, I follow people on social media, nobody's more fun than Harry Higgs. So there you are at SMU with Harry Higgs, who's on the tour and a, and a social media star beyond being a great player. And Bryson, oh. that's, you got the three musketeer thing working there. Uh, yeah, I don't know if you, there's a cool photo floating around of us when we won a conference championship our sophomore year. And it's got me in the middle, Bryce on my left, and I think Harry on my right. And who would have thought that day, you know, fast forward here, all three of us are on the PGA Tour at the same time. Um, and that same sophomore year was uh, we were able to make the final eight at the NCAA championship at Prairie Dunes right. and play the future champions, Alabama, um, in the first round and the quarterfinals. It was um, that's match play, correct? It was, yeah, match play. Once you make the final eight out of the stroke play rounds. And then, right. um, yeah, so we were the eighth seed playing the one seed, Alabama. And so who'd so, you play against? I played Bobby Wyatt. Yeah, sure. Um, Alabama from born and raised in Alabama went to Alabama. Um, yeah. I think he had a year or two on tour. Yeah. Um, and I think he's working for Goldman Sachs now, but uh, he, yeah, it wasn't really a pretty match. I mean, it was tough conditions, kind of morning drizzle, prairie dunes, hard golf course in general. So um, he ended up winning three and two, I think with still being a couple over par, but um, Bryson won his match. He beat Trey Mullinex and uh, Harry beat Tom Lovelady. Wow. Yeah. And then we had Harry, a, Harry strikes me as somebody who'd be a moderately bad influence at times. 
Yeah, he could, he could be, but you know, <laughs> I mean, I mean that in the best the way. Key, the, key, of key, the key word, key word was moderate, moderate, but in, uh, he's definitely an influencer these days. We can call him that. So. Awesome. Schmitty says the same thing about me. And, and so yeah. don't let him put Harry right in a box. as well. Don't no let him way. put Harry in a box. Hey, we all need one of those, right? You need the guy who, you know, <laughs> oh, says, let's, absolutely. Let's go for one more. You absolutely need that. Final absolutely. Final. And uh, yeah, so I had him as my, my, you know, he had the seniority when I was on the team. So, you know, whatever Harry said went back then. <laughs> but I can go. imagine. So you had to follow. <laughs> hey, talk a little yeah. bit about, you played in a couple U.S., kind of USGA events. Was that while you were at college? Because you, you qualified for the USAM and then you, you played in the U.S. Publinks. Was that while yep. you were at SMU? Yep, they were. Um, I played one Publinks, I think my senior year of high school that summer before I went to school. And then that freshman year, I qualified for the, uh, well, I had made it to the quarterfinals of uh, the pub links the year prior before they shut down the event. Um, and so I played in the final one at Sand Creek Station, which is in Kansas, actually only like 20 or 30 miles from Prairie Dunes. Um, and yeah, so that was, that was kind of a cool, cool experience. Any USGA event is obviously over the top. And I mean, just premium courses, awesome fields. So it was a great time. Yeah, you were already playing some highly competitive golf. And so you, you went to the USA and where was it that year and, and how to have that fair and play out? Um, yeah, so I played two US amateurs, first one being at Atlanta Athletic Club. Um, one good round and uh, one not so good round. So led to uh, not making match play, but was able to uh, kind of learn a lot that week and obviously had to qualify again the following year and was able to do so. And I played at Olympia Fields. Um, the year Bryson won, which was kind of cool. Um, I stayed for his first couple matches and then I had, after I had, I missed match play as well again, but again, kind of got to see him play a little bit of match play and to have him go on and win. And then a story about that, he won that USAM. I wasn't able to be there. And then that next day he flies home. I pick him up at Love Field and he has the travel case with the US Amateur trophy inside oh. of it. And uh, so I got his bags and he took out the trophy and put it in the front seat and I drove him in the back seat and put the, put the trophy in the front. <laughs> oh, it's so cool. So, so cool. it was pretty sweet. Yeah. So, you know, you've, you talk about some of these guys you play against in NCAA tournaments playing at USJ championships. You know, we have a lot of really good golfers, the amateur golfers in this state, and, and we have mm -hmm. really accomplished amateur golfers that turn professional and, and try to try to give it a go out there. Um, you know, I've had the opportunity when I worked in Indiana before I came out here to run some, some Monday qualifiers for what was then the web.com now the corn ferry and mm -hmm. see the amount of talent that's out there and the scores you have to shoot. I, I, I think it's difficult for people to understand just how talented you have to be to make it on tour and even just to be on the corn ferry tour. Um, you know, you see people that, can, can get it off the tee and, and they hit it 300 yards, but they're a dime a dozen out there. So, you know, you've, you've been through the meat grinder, you, you've, mm -hmm. you've worked your way to get there. What do you think it, it, it takes to get on tour? And I think it's kind of the second part of that question is what does it take to be somebody like a, a Kevin Kisner or JB Holmes that is just co so consistently out there? Cause Scott and I have talked about before making it as one thing, staying out there. That's a, that's an entirely different ballgame. Yeah, no doubt. I mean, you said a lot of good things there. I mean, yeah, to be a JB Holmes or a Kevin Kisner, I mean, those guys went on tour every couple of years are, you know, and their careers have made a, a uh, team event, you know, which is incredible. And I think it comes down to uh, 
to being just so efficient and refining what you need to do well to play high level golf and then just being able to get out of your own head and kind of that mental side of things. Cause yeah, like you said, there are a dime a dozen. I mean, every, every week on a Monday qualifier, somebody's shooting 10 under par. How is that guy not on the PGA tour, you know, right. the next week or guys, I mean, even this past week, um, not to kind of bash Brandon Wu, but I mean, shot 10 under par on the Monday qualifier plays the Shriners. I mean, he is a tour member as well. So, I mean, he's playing good golf in general. It's not like some guy off the street that just shot 10 under par. He's played in many tour events and he misses the cut by a few. Like, how is that? How is that so different? Like he just shot 10 under on Monday on Thursday, he shoots two over par. Like golf's not that different, but it is. Yeah. And so it's, you know, I saw him out at the golf course this afternoon. He said, yeah, I'm working on my game, doing these kinds of things. And it's just, he's back to his fundamentals, basics, the things he knows that he does well over time to get him to play good golf and not trying to reinvent the wheel once you've gotten there. And so, I mean, it is tough to kind of have that self-belief when you're going through those developmental tours, whether it be Latin America or Corn Ferry Tour or even just mini tours out of school, that you kind of feel like that, that wheel is always changing. And if you can just have it kind of just rock solid stone of what you got to do and hammer that, you know what, that's going to turn into a diamond. And then that's where you just, you shine and then you get on the PGA tour and, you know, you just keep doing the same thing. So, you know, you talk about getting out there and, and then staying are two different things. You know, one of the challenges I'm sure you're trying to figure out now is where and when can I play? Um, you know, the whole status thing, you yeah. know, everyone thinks you've got your card. Well, what does that mean? You can just play in every tournament. Uh, I know right. that's not the case. And, and in fact, I don't know when the reshuffling takes place and maybe you can talk about all that stuff, but, but making a cut is hugely important. Um, obviously finishing high up is, 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 is oh, know, yeah. maybe, but making cuts at least gets you some money, which gets you higher up. And so maybe talk about the challenge of, you know, getting out there, getting these starts and getting these opportunities. Yeah. So it all just comes down to, uh, the, the way you earned your tour card that year. So there's the 50 cards awarded through the corn Ferry Tour regular season. And then there's the 50 cards awarded through the corn Ferry Tour finals with both number one guys being, uh, fully exempt. So they are into every, every event, excluding invitationals and, um, WGCs. And then that drops into the 48 other cards that are zippered in, you know, two from regular season, two from finals, three, three, four, four, all the way down. So me falling into place at number 25 is essentially the 49th overall card awarded. And so when you have 125 guys each year keeping their cards on the PGA tour, you have guys who have medical, medical, you know, starts still happening. You have all the all past champions, international players, major winners, who knows, who knows what, you know, you have, you have me being the 30th alternate at the Shriners Hospital Open this last week with only about 10 Corn Ferry guys getting into the field. So you would have had to finish the year inside the top 10 regular season or, or top five regular season because you're zippered in or top five on the finals to just be able to play the Shriners, which is not necessarily even the strongest field of, of the whole fall, or it is now the strongest field of the fall, but not Wait, like is that a full field prestige. event? It was 144. So okay. essentially, yes, but... Yeah they can be 156 this time of year before the time change. But um, yeah, it just comes down to it. 12 spots is huge. The RSM is 12 is, is 156. So I'm into that right now. And then I'm into Bermuda, which is obviously like a difficult event to get to. So not a lot of guys are playing it. So, you know, that sea Island is your next stop. Bermuda in two weeks would be the oh, next, next stop. Got it. Got it. And then, but I'm not right now. I'm not into Mayakoba. I'm not into uh, the Houston Open, 
And then after that, it's RSM. And then I'm not in the QB shootout or the hero. So, <laughs> so when does the reshuffling take place? At the conclusion of the fall will be the first right. reshuffle. Okay. So these, those other two events are going to rely on possibly some sort of exemption. So. Yeah. I mean, it's hard to believe, right? I mean, you get, you, you get your card and yet, and yet you don't right? in some respects. Yeah. I mean, we are fortunate. I mean, the PGA tour season is 45 events nowadays. So there's a lot of events that are going to come no matter kind of what status you have. I mean, you see guys each year, you know, you obviously got Puerto Rico, which is an opposite field event and some other ones um, like such that, you know, you can use those starts to kind of catapult everything. So. So Austin, can we, we're going to dig into your pockets a little bit here. We, a couple of weeks ago, we did a podcast and I had seen a story that the, the guy who finished 125th on the, the tour money list this year made a million dollars in prize money. So just in prize money, not, not, um, and endorsements, not endorsements, anything else, just prize money, which, which is great. Right. right? That seems like it's not, doesn't seem like it is a lot of money, but we were having the conversation and I mean, obviously, you know, you don't have to get into specific dollars and cents, but we couldn't necessarily come to a consensus. What is, what is an average week on tour cost? And I, I mean, I understand that it depends. You're talking about Bermuda. It costs a lot of money to get there um, oh, versus, yeah. versus something that, you know, happens to be in, in Texas, which is where you're based out of, correct? Out of Texas. Correct. Yeah. Right. So yeah. that, I mean, you're going to have a difference there, but just for it, you know, it all us, averages out over the year for sure. Yeah. So, I mean, what, what, what does that look like? I mean, what is the cost of a week to get out there and play a practice round and play in the pro-am and then play and you make the cut, but what, I mean, all together, what does that look like? Yeah. Um, I know kind of so the two, the two big expenses are obviously you're, you know, paying your caddy his base salary, which is, which is what's pretty, it, varies quite a bit from player to player and then you have different bonus structures as far as percentages from there but um hotel or kind of airbnb nowadays too have been really popular because you can kind of fit a couple guys into it but mm -hmm. a week on any kind of developmental tour because you kind of have to spend less as far as corn fare you get you don't have a, a courtesy car so that's that's the one nice thing about the pga tours you have no car expense but corn ferry tour i'd say it's about 2500 a week um, depending on how you're staying and what you're eating and everything. And then from there, PGA tour is probably closer to that 3000, maybe 3,500 sometimes um, just on how you want to travel, how you want to, how you want to fly, what, what flight times and everything. But say you're looking at 2,500 to 4,000, maybe on an expensive week. Yeah. It puts it's, it in perspective. It really does. I, I mean, it's a grind. Yeah. I don't think people yeah. realize what a grind it is. And then, yeah, that comes on, you know, a, a solid seven, seven miscut streak or something at the wrong time. And you know what, I mean, there's, you know, almost 20 grand in the last few weeks and you got, yeah, you got to dig deep, figure it out. So are you a goal setter? I am. I am. And do we have goals? I assume then for this coming season. I do. Yeah. Doesn't sound like are, you want are to you, share are, them. <laughs> <laughs> I was going to say, are you going to just, are you going to just ask me what my goals are? Or, well, so I didn't um, know there was a cat and mouse game. What are no, your goals uh, no, for it this is. coming season? Yeah, no, I, to get into an event, but no, but jokingly, uh, <laughs> we've, we've accomplished that. We've played, we've played Napa, um, the Fortinet championship. So that was, that was good. But I, uh, and you made no, your first cut, right? Which, and which made is my first cut. So which is almost a home game for you too, up there. It, right? it was. And you only get one chance to make your first cut on your rookie season of the PGA tour. So right. boy. 
Um, we, we checked that one off the list, but uh, kind of the cliche, cliche ones. I mean, obviously to win on the PGA tour is my number one goal. Um, that's what I'm working every kind of every day towards. Um, and as far as kind of the little ones that trickle down that are going to lead into that, I mean, I want to be top 10 on tour and uh, top 50 putter this year, kind of my two, um, two big ones. I mean, the ball striking has always been there. I mean, I can't, I kind of can set, you know, that same top 10 goal. I mean, right here with you guys, but kind of out of my mind, but those two are kind of the two things that I think if I drive the ball well and my putting improves to be a top 50 putter on tour, I'll have, you know, a, a trophy in the house by the end of the year. So. So when you go to practice, do you, this may be an odd question, but I, you know, I, I almost sense some people just always want to work on things that they're good at. And some people just want to work thing on things that they're not good at. It seems to me there's probably somewhere in the middle as well, but how do you approach, you know, trying to get better? Yeah. Um, I'm, I'm fortunate to work with Cameron McCormick out at my home course in Trin at Trinity Forest Golf Club. So um, he's one that is big on, on stats. And so stats kind of drive a lot of our uh, formulated practice plans and everything that we have going on week in and week out. So um, it's up to me to put in those stats when I'm not playing on the PGA Tour because, you know, we don't have all the shot link data um, like they do, which is now even a deeper dive for him, which is only going to allow him to help me even better. So I'm excited for that. Um, but yeah, I talked about kind of finding out what works good for you. And so for me, I mean, I, I'm a big playing on course kind of guy until I can identify something that really needs overhauling or some attention to. So if I can go see good scores on the golf course, I'm going to just going to keep, I'm going to keep doing that until my next event, um, which is now two weeks, which will be a longer stretch, but I mean, I'm excited to play a bunch of golf and address the little things when they pop up with still just, hammering those fundamentals backing up a little bit um on the corn ferry to your win in may you know what did you take out of that i saw that you were first in greens and regulation from that event but what what did you, you know coming out of that event you had four rounds in the 60s you won by three you know coming out of that event what did you say i really did this well and that's what i think propelled me to the win yeah i uh, i drove the ball well and hit, hit the ball well that week and I know, I mean, you guys probably understand a little bit of the strokes gain metrics. I mean, my stats that I had kept that week, I shot 18 under par one by three. And for the week, I only gained plus 3.2 stroke strokes on the green. So less than a one full stroke each day, which if you look at any guy who's probably in the top 10 of any tour event, I think it's kind of the, the weeks that it's like the Kyle Stanley ball striking his wins, I think are, have had less strokes gain putting than I did that week. And it's, I hit the ball un unbelievable, but I mean, I should have won by 10, honestly. <laughs> I mean, if I putted well, I mean, if I was, you know, putting like Jordan speed that week, I mean, it would have been 24 under or so. So you must play with Jordan around, around Trinity. A, a couple of times. Yeah. He tends to play more golf at Dallas national than Trinity right. forest, but he'll go out there and practice a bunch. Nice. You, yeah, do have a good you do have a good stable of players that, that play out of Trinity though, right? We do. Yeah. I mean, we've got, uh, as far as PGA tour, myself, Brandon Wu, Harry Hicks, Kelly Kraft, Jordan Spieth, Cody Gribble. Um, I don't think I'm missing anybody there. And then uh, we got about three or four corn fairy guys and some SMU graduates. So it's been pretty good. That keeps yeah, the competitive yeah. juices going. <laughs> oh Yeah. So you've got that core of, of tour guys out there. Um, 
talk a little bit about what it's like to to be out there is there kind of a, a brotherhood fraternity mentality out there you know i understand there's rivalries um obviously a big one that we can touch on a little bit out there on tour right now but one of the things that resonated with me when i was around those monday qualifiers is is all the guys really seem to be rooting for each other, you know, and, and if, if, it didn't, if they didn't have it that day, they wanted another guy to have it. And is it, is it a pretty tight knit community? I mean, we, we get to see everybody mostly on the weekends right out there playing and, and they're kind of focused on what they're doing, but what's it like inside the clubhouse when you guys actually have a chance to spend some time together, not on the golf course? Yeah, I think um, it's definitely that fraternity kind of feel where we know what everybody else is going through a lot more than, even the most avid golf fan ever. I mean, we're, you know, we're coworkers in a sense, you know, you're, we're in the office together doing little things day in and day out. Um, and so you kind of learn a little bit of how people tick and, you know, what, what they do well. And, you know, when some guy's playing well, when he wants to play you a little bit more often and he wants to up the stakes a little bit more and you're like, <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, it's, it's pretty cool. Cause yeah, I mean, everybody knows it's our, it's our childhood dream to go play on the PGA tour and here we are living it out. And so we also just got to be so grateful for it. Cause I mean, the opportunities we have and what we've, the hard work we've put in to get where we're at. I mean, it's, it's incredible. So. Can you, can you tell, you know, on the range early in the week, if a guy has really got it, even maybe if he hasn't necessarily come off a good week, I mean, is that something that's, or are you just really like, do you attention? feel Yeah. I mean, do you, do you hear the buzz, you know, our guys saying, you know, so-and-so is really, he's really hitting it good right now. Yeah. I mean, maybe a little bit like kind of more so just seeing guys making putts on the putting green, probably. I mean, you see some guy drop down three balls. It doesn't matter where he's looking. He just is making every single one. You're like, <laughs> I'm guessing he's going to have a pretty good week. <laughs> I mean, he can just keep it on the, on the planet. He's going to have a pretty good week. Yeah. Um, so what are the, what are the tells for you when you're on the putting green and you kind of feel you're in the flow? What, what, what are your, what are your tells? Yeah. I mean, when speed is just so naturally just there and you're not even really getting to that week and you're not doing a ton of speed drills and you just, you're just putting and your speed's great. I mean, those are very, very comfortable. Obviously you've responded well. I mean, just everything you're doing, you can focus less technique stuff and you'll go kind of go play golf and get creative and, and just go do a bunch of one ball drills and just go make a bunch of putts and recreate tournament scenarios and then go and just go play. I mean, that's my biggest thing. I mean, great. I can go through my drills and I'm making everything Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, but if it doesn't happen Thursday through Sunday, what's, what's the big whoop that week. So Talk about playing, you know, you, you play in Florida, you play in California, you play in Dallas, you play in the Midwest, you end up going to the North. I mean, you're on no. every different type of golf course, every different type of grass, every different type of wind, all that stuff. And yet, you know, you got to show up and still play well because, you know, somebody's got to. No doubt. Um, yeah, I mean, playing on different putting services, you know, week in and week out is something that not a lot of um you know, golfers would experience, I mean, playing in your hometown or same region, you know, same, same grass for a while, unless you travel across the country and, uh, you know, the best, the best putters are going to put well on anything. I mean, it's not like somebody's just a good Bermuda putter. Um, I've always kind of been, you know, have heard this thing about Ben Crenshaw, you know, yeah, he's a great putter and at Augusta and he's a great putter in general, but you could put him on in the fairway and make it and put a whole cup in the ground and he'd still go figure out a way to make it before you do, or make it, you know, make more putts. It's just kind of the, the way it is. He's just a good putter. So some guys got that. 
you talk about you talk about Crenshaw, um, and obviously he's kind of parlayed his playing career into a designer career. Is there a type of course when you go somewhere that just fits your eye? Is there something that strikes you that way when you when you when you show up somewhere and you go, you know what? I like I like the way this looks to me. Yeah, I don't know if I've ever like kind of sat there and really thought about that. Like, have I always played like Fazio designs well, or have I played you know die course as well or something? And uh, I'd say, I mean, I love the the core Crenshaw designs. I mean, I, my home course is one of them. I mean, so I mean, it's kind of hard not to like them. Um, you know, that kind of modern, you know, at least ours is somewhat link, linksy style, but the, uh, yeah, my favorite corn fairy event was a Fazio design that I can remember. And, uh, I mean, I'd say I enjoy his courses quite a bit. All right. So we got to creep into, to the Brooks Bryson thing and, and, you know, all candor, we probably haven't been the most supportive of Brooks, probably, um, more support of Bryson and Brooks, but we haven't been great to Bryson either. Um, it, it's, it would be great to get a perspective of somebody actually really knows him and oh, yeah. as a friend and as a person. And, you know, we only get to see the front page news stuff. The, and the he certainly social makes media a lot version, of it. Yeah. He, he makes yeah. a lot of front page news, but he's obviously a friend. So, so talk to me about Bryson a little bit and, and what he's become. He's really become one of the best players in the world. I mean, yeah, he's moving the needle on, on golf. I mean, the last few years, I mean, and then backing it up on top of that with a major championship and I'm sure many more, if not one or two this year. Um, but I mean, Bryce and I go way back. So, I mean, we've been good friends since we're about 14 playing junior golf together. We go to college together. Um, I've roomed with him pretty much every single week on the road. I mean, he's got his little, his little quirks, you know, he loves the room temperature, a certain number, possibly a few higher than, than myself, but you know what, you just deal with it. Cause he's going to go shoot 65. So, um, but he, I mean, he's, he means so well. I mean, his family are, are so, um, you know, incredibly awesome too. And what they've gone through and to be able to have their son doing those things. I mean, Bryson loves his family so much, something that I also really do. I mean, it's a, a cool bond we have over that. Um, and then he was the best man at my wedding. So, I mean, that's sit awesome. up there next to me on, on my, uh, on my wedding day. And so that's something that we'll, we'll always have together too. And, you know, our schedules haven't been as aligned as we would like in, in the years past, but now that we're on the PGA tour, you know, we'll see him, see him a bit more and we'll kind of, uh, be able to hang out out of it and not just be uh you know social media friends but um it's been great so yeah so he's did, means well and i mean the whole brooks brooksy bryce and brooks stuff i mean you could tell it's all that it's all about the clicks and the media and all that too so <laughs> they had they had everybody going that's funny so uh, you know i mean it's it is interesting to hear scott and i talked about this a little earlier in the day that we do get sort of fed this this side of him and the side of Brooks and we don't get to see what really goes on and what people are really like and that's okay I mean to the extent that you know they're playing a part and and playing it up and you know well I mean that's all the people I mean we're in the entertainment business right. I mean we're we're performers out there at the end of the day you know we're putting on the show and be able to being able to kind of you can also use that um to your advantage as well and kind of get into this kind of alter ego character that you might be feeling like crap off the golf course, but you got to go play and do a job. You know, how are you going to be able to flip that switch? You know, when you are playing four weeks in a row or something, it's bound to happen. One of those days, you don't feel like playing golf as much as we play golf, but you know what? Austin Smotherman, the professional golfer that's on the PGA tour is going to be able to flip the switch and go perform 
and execute like you would on any other day. And I think that's something too, that's, you know, it can be for your advantage, but if you go into the wrong character, you know, it can almost hurt you. So, yeah. I really sensed, and it wasn't, I didn't really care about the two of them as much as what I sensed was I'm, I'm, I'm the old man. Right. So I didn't like what was happening at events. I didn't like the, it was getting, it was getting toxic almost, if you will. And, and to me, once it starts to affect players, um, ability to, to perform that's yeah. when it really it sort of was it was turning into something that i was i was personally getting uncomfortable with. something that that it shouldn't have become but also i mean to even throw that deeper down is well then you have people betting on golf right that are now able to kind of influence the match or shots if that kind of behavior kind of continues to escalate and so that's something i think that they were able to kind of get you know out of there at least soon enough before guys are betting and it's going that way. I mean, being able to bet on individual shots, live shots, you know, as quick as all of our phones can move and put those bets in. So. Well, along those lines, be sure, be sure you shoot the three of us a text when there is that guy who's draining putts from everywhere in the practice putting <laughs> lane. We, we'd appreciate it. I, For as many losers as we pick, we'd appreciate the insider knowledge. I, I absolutely cannot do that and, and <laughs> as, as, but you know what and I, shouldn't. I, I mean I, yeah. I you know when i when i'm making those putts i mean you guys will be able to uh you guys will be there watching so you guys will see me making them anyway so no brainer so kind of going back on bryson um and obviously getting away from all the the ancillary stuff i mean was was he someone that, you know, since you've known him since you guys were teenagers, I mean, did you, you, there's no questioning the talent. I mean, did you, was he somebody that everybody was kind of like, I mean, there's no, I mean, nobody's a sure thing. Right. But I mean, was right. the talent really always there with him? It really, it really was the, the talent was. And when the talent wasn't at times and for some, you know, longer periods of stretches, you know, in the past, the, the self-belief and the work ethic is what never, never wavered. I mean, it's, to be, be around that day in and day out for the three full years before he left, you know, senior year to go, you know, get ready for the masters. Um, there's nobody in college golf at that point that was even close to what he, the amount of time and hard work he was putting in. Well, going to SMU, which isn't one of the, uh, you know, it's not Notre Dame, but. Um, <laughs> well played. I, uh, you know, so. so. Good. Oh, the uh yeah it's it, it's pretty impressive you, those you, are the two, you those just ended the there Austin. that yeah. was perfect that was <laughs> i will tell you though there's a clip out there of bryson talking about you i think it was when you had your sponsor exemption at maybe the, the at&t and i thought about that from like a motivational standpoint he was so complimentary of your game and i thought about it you know to harry and bryson do you talk to them about hey this is what I'm thinking. What do you guys, you know, just in terms of like the motivational mental side of the game, you know, as you go, because oh, yeah. the physical side is one point, but the mental side is this whole other thing. Like you talked about, get out of your own head. Right. Right. And that's, yeah. And that's like 90% of it. Cause like you alluded to, I mean, guys are out there, you know, hitting it well every single week. It's just what is going to separate us. And that's, you know, quarter and tenths of a shot, you know, that you can all figure out up here in your head. So, um, yeah, I mean, Harry's self-belief and his self-talk, I mean, the way he motivates himself on the golf course is way different than I would really kind of motivate myself on the golf course. And then he has another dynamic to it where he has his younger brother who is caddying for him. Oh so he's got an even a family dynamic amongst that whole relationship. So that's <laughs> something that 
you know, unless my sister, you know, becomes a little stronger and, and, and you know, go out there and carry a staff bag every single day, I don't think I'm going to have a family member on my bag. So, um, are all of Harry's shirts it, missing a button, by the way? I think he's just going to get scissors and start cutting them. I mean, need, They're just getting lower even, they, and lower. Grayson, I mean, I'm, I wear Holderness and Born. So, I mean, I, but the, uh, the Grayson guys, I mean, they just need to start not even putting buttons on his shirts. He well, that's use the thing. Them. He's going to have a style of his own just called the Higgs. I'll take the Higgs. It's just, yeah, it's just a, a, deep, a deep V. So. Uh, that's right. Well, there's got to be a smotherman at some point. We just don't want it, how it's going to reveal itself. Uh, we'll, we'll let that happen organically. I don't need to. Um, yeah, I think Harry even last year had some friends in his neighborhood that dressed up their little kids as, as Harry oh, Higgs. But I mean, like you, when you have people dressing up as your Halloween, as a Halloween costume or like that whatever so it might good. be, like, come on. So then the shade, they must have the shades, right? The shades on and the. Oh, the shades. And then they're holding their, their baby cup with a Tito's logo on it. <laughs> and then, you know, and then they got their shirt unbuttoned and they got chest hair all drawn that on is, so that's, that's pretty beautiful. funny that's great the guy cultivated a look just because he didn't like to button the buttons on his golf shirts that's awesome <laughs> and maybe I mean, he likes a cocktail <laughs> he does he's been experiment. He's, he's been experimenting with tequila which i don't know if that's a good thing uh, he doesn't need to add that never to ends well no you can't be i wouldn't both. go with never mad not never I, well, boy, we could we could go down a, a really different path right now, but well, I think in the interest of making sure this continues to be a family show, maybe we won't. So, I mean, think of all the great events you have yet to experience, and I'm sure you would love to, and I'm, I only hope that you do. I mean, you got the Masters, you got the Open Championship. We just saw the Ryder Cup, which was, you know, every two fantastic. years, spectacular. Awesome. I yeah. can only imagine what your thoughts are relative to that. Well, as far as playing courses or those kinds well, of things, the or the Ryder Cup, Cup or yeah, the Ryder Cup, any and all, right? Gosh, I mean, I mean yeah, be. that's that's definitely, uh, you know, that's on on the on the list. It's on the short list of of goals as well as, uh, you know, getting to compete in a major. Um, yeah, man, to, to play any of those Ryder to play a Ryder Cup, I mean, that's that's a career goal for sure, no doubt. Right. I mean, that that I mean to have, be in that environment that they had at Whistling Straits. I mean, that was just insane. I mean, and then the way they played too was, was unreal. So you, definitely do motivation. You, do you feed off crowd energy? I mean, is that, you know, a lot, some guys, it doesn't matter to them, but is that something that you feed off of or are you kind uh, of in your hundred, a hundred percent? I think a lot of those COVID uh, tournaments early, early on, I think Rory alluded to it. And, and for myself, I mean, not having the crowd support as far as even on the corn Ferry tour that, is the refocuser. I mean, it's kind of the, uh, you know, it's the actor that's on stage doing the the dress rehearsal versus having the whole, whole stands filled. I mean, what kind of performance are you going to give and possibly elevate your game a little bit more, um, or your performance. And if you kind of, you know, again, go back to us being performers, I mean, I'm going to perform way better in a scenario that I have, you know, 18 grandstand want me to make this 10 foot putt right now. So, it's it's pretty cool those 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 moments and then one moment I had was burning 18 on Friday after already pretty much knowing I was going to make the cut in Napa and having my family and friends with like 30 people there front row on the grandstand and the grandstand go crazy on a Friday afternoon I mean that was that was so sick that's yeah. awesome that is awesome. yeah so yeah. you reference betting I mean are are you and or others I mean you must be aware of and somewhat sensitive to that it's a new dynamic right I mean it's a whole different yeah. Yeah. I think it's, I think it's definitely exciting. I mean, obviously it's, it's become so popular, I mean, and for every sport, but 
um, yeah, I mean, I think it's, it is cool what I said about, you know, us being having the, the cadence of our sport being slow enough to be able to bet individual shots and play by play versus, you know, what you're unable to do in, in a lot of other leagues, you know, there's no way you could kind of bet, you know, a single play is going to happen in the NFL or, or, you know, shot to shot in the NFL and the NBA. And so that's what I think is going to be a really attractive and also help grow the sport because more, more eyes are going to be on it, you know, and more golfers, all that, you know, see them at top golf. I mean, it's, it's insane what I think that's done for the sport as well. For sure. You know, so they're going to be visiting golf and ski and, you know, oh, they're going to have to awesome. be able to uh, be able to go get their, their first set. Well, they know. need to walk in and see Austin, Austin Smotherman cut out as soon as they walk in now. Right. Uh, oh boy. Can we, can we make me, you know, six inches taller and, uh, <laughs> you know, put some, put some, some small shirts on. Listen, if you're, if you're hitting at 325, you don't got to be six inches taller. I saw that average. You're bombing the ball out there. Yeah, that was, well, na- as far as Napa distances, driving distances. Oh, yeah. yeah. Those, those, those fairways were very they, firm. They bounce a little bit. That's okay. That's a nice thing. That's, that's the PGA tour. I mean, it's, right. it's, you know, they are perfect every single week. Those golf courses are immaculate. So that's the one thing I'm most excited for. I mean, every single week is going to be just so good. All right. Should we dig into uh, the quick nine with Austin? Scotty, you ready? I think so. Yeah. All right, Austin. We got a little, uh, a, a little thing we do with all of our guests, just re- nine quick questions. First thing that comes to your mind, no right or wrong answers. Um, Scotty's going to throw them at you. Go ahead, Scott. All right. Walk versus ride. Which one? Walk, walk all day. Mulligans on a first tee. Always. Yes. <laughs> yes. <laughs> stroke play or match play? I like stroke play. Scotland or Ireland? I haven't been to either, which is crazy, but I would say Ireland. Jack or Tiger? Golly, Tiger. <laughs> I, <don't, laughs> I mean, that's a hard question. You can expand. I, golly i mean either one of those guys i mean they're they're the goats of their own own era i mean it's just golf golf transformed and kind of changed once jack stopped playing so i mean ty, tiger is unbelievable those streaks and his tiger any tiger stat is unbelievable they are off the charts aren't they although jack's oh, got a yeah. couple of stats i mean the fact he has 19 runner-ups in majors that's you know absurd anyway. absurd yeah. All right. So the favorite that's course. That's a whole that's a whole nother podcast. Right. <laughs> hey, next time. Favorite course you have played and the course you most want to play. Yeah. Favorite course I've played is Cypress Point. Very fortunate in that yeah, Monterey I Peninsula that. area. Oh my dog named my dog after it. So my dog's name is Cypress. <laughs> that's that's awesome. cool. Yeah. And then uh course I want to play. I mean, I've I've never played Augusta. I mean, that's that's on the list and to have that played while knowing I'm going to play the masters or that week. I mean, it would be unbelievable to, to win one of these fall events and lock that up. Cause I don't think I'm going there anytime soon, just for the hell of it. So. <laughs> <laughs> I don't have a teach. I don't have a tea time on that tee sheet right now. So the favorite foursome you get to play with and your fantasy foursome, and they don't have to be alive. So you had a favorite that you, that you would like to play with or do play with. And then a fantasy. Okay. Um, yeah, favorite foursome, I would say uh, me at my home club. I mean, we play this foursome a good bit. I mean, two members, uh, me, myself, and then two members, John Price and Will Monroe, who are kind of the uh, 
they're head of the uh, the party committee and they're at, out there at Trinity Forest. They have these awesome little, uh, those scooters you ride on the golf oh, course yeah. nowadays yeah, yeah. with their, their music playing and everything. I mean, it's, it's such a good time every time we tee it up. Um, and then dream foursome. Yes. I think it would be, it'd be me, myself, Tiger and Bobby Jones. So me and myself is just one person. Oh, me and my dad. Me and my dad. Sorry. All right. You have tremendous game. He's going me and myself. The no. <laughs> me, most my of dad. the times, most of the time, I don't want to play with me. I, mean, I know, right? Just take nobody else says either. TK and I feel the same. Thank you. The the honorary observer. The golf day or golf event that you look forward to most every year. First day of the Masters, round one. Yeah, you got to be teeing it up, man. I can't wait to see you play. Dude, man. You'd be uh, hard to pull the trigger, but you'd find a way. That'd be so. Uh, we'll we'll get there. We'll be rooting for it. All right, and our favorite last one, probably the most important question: your favorite go-to post-round beverage. Post-round beverage depends is after a tournament round and what day of the turn what day of the week <laughs> you answer any it any way you want it <laughs> now i post round beverage i mean i'm i'm a big just water guy um but i mean if it's uh if it's at home after kind of a member member i'm usually yeah. uh, i'm usually still i'm still an ipa guy i'll take whatever nice. ipa is on Very tap good. so not a boy. i'm not afraid asked. to experiment i'm not afraid to experiment and uh just say what's what's the ipa on the menu and just order that yeah. and uh, we love it. that yeah we love that local flavor we should have asked the, the two guys you mentioned from that you play with at trinity we should have said what are they trying to feed you <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah oh they're they're all about uh yeah, they're mainly vodka sodas and, and tequila, tequila, ranch they seem waters, like they all might those be. things. Yeah, they seem like uh, they might be. Transfusion. Yeah, see a transfusion somewhere. There, there's something else. So. <laughs> well, Austin, can't thank you enough for joining us. And I, I have no doubt that you've you've earned yourself a lot of New Hampshire and New England uh, fans after spending an hour with us. So we sure. Appreciate well, it. I mean, I love playing that that event up in Falmouth at a Falmouth Country Club, and, right. you know, just north of Portland. I mean, that was awesome. First time to Maine. Um, I'd say next year that event's back. I mean, everybody needs to go out there and support that in the Northeast. I mean, it's pretty sweet seeing everybody that's going to then be on the PGA Tour, you know, just a few months prior to that. So no doubt. No doubt. Well, well best thanks of luck, so Austin. Yeah. Really thanks for, thanks for hey, coming on. Thanks. For, thanks for having me. Awesome. Care, appreciate, we'll it, man. appreciate it. Thanks, and guys. Take care. See you guys. Bye-bye. See you.